I do, I just want to thank you for being here today, and, and, we, and I want us to pray for a couple of people who are sick. Lori is sick. She's been running a high temperature yesterday, and she did tell me about 3 o'clock this morning it broke. So she's sick, and I know I don't know about Lana. She's not here. My brother Gary's better today, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Of course, he had a little bit of a run to the ER, so we got him fixed up. So that's good. He's feeling a lot better today. So I want us to, and I never want us to miss an opportunity to pray for the sick. I believe any time we come together, we should pray for the sick. So if you, let's just stand to honor the Word of God. And, and I don't know if anyone else is, is, if you're sick, just raise your hand to, toward heaven and fully expect God to touch you and bring healing. I actually need healing in my knee. I want y'all to extend your hand to my knee, okay? I just woke up about two months ago when it's hurting and it hasn't quit hurting. And he said, I'm going to do an MRI on it. You might have a little something that needs to be scoped. Well, that means about, he said, what, four to six weeks on crutches? I don't think so. So and we know God. So I would, I would appreciate healing in my knee, okay? So, Lord, we just thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, that you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever, God, and you can do all things. And I thank you, Father God, for healing Lori and, and Lana and anyone else that might be sick. Thank you for touching Gary. Thank you for touching my knee, Lord. I thank you, Father God. Anyone else in here that has sickness in their body, we declare them healed, whole, recovered in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Father God, for it. We declare it done. You are Jehovah Rapha. And Lord, we just bless you. We thank you, God, because there is no God like our God. Amen. There is no God like our God. And Lord, you are faithful to your word. You're not a man that you can lie. You don't get up today and say, I've changed my mind. You're, anything that's come through your lips is forever eternally settled in the heavens. So God, we thank you for that. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We also, uh, you know, we've been in prayer this week with the Parker family. And, you know, they lost their sister and Miss Francis's daughter this past week after about a six-month battle with cancer. And um, the only thing we can say is they have peace because they know who they, know who they serve. And it's so wonderful to know in those times of, of loss and when you don't really have the answers, but you can have the peace. Isn't that right? So many times we don't have the answers, but we can have the peace. And uh, so we're talking about peace today. That's our fourth Advent candle is, is peace. And I don't think we could, there's ever been a time in my lifetime that there, there has ever been more unpeace, if that's a word, or unrest externally. I've never seen so much division and discord and strife and arguing and fighting and all of these things that we see going on around us. How many of you are, are, through, are, are just tired of listening to the news? I can't even turn on the news because it puts me in a bad mood, right? So I can't listen to the news because half of it, I don't know if it's true or it's not true. And that's even more perplexing. But yet in the midst of all that we have going on in our life and in our midst, we can have peace. We can have peace. In the midst of the, as, as what Felix's family has gone through this past week, they can have peace. I spoke to Miss Francis, and, and I'm sure she cried many, many tears over the loss of her daughter. But I also heard peace in her voice because she knew where her daughter was. She also had the peace of God that passes all understanding. So in the midst of whatever might happen, we can still have peace. And I want you to think about your life today. Do you have peace today? Do you have peace today? And I'm going to give you some, some things, to, some little characteristics of not having peace in just a moment. But how would, you how would you define peace? Anyone, just answer. How would you define peace? 
What does it mean to you? No worries? Okay. No drama. Yeah. Quiet. Oh, I love having the kids in here. Man, we just... Calm in the midst of the storm. Absolutely. Well, if you look at Webster's Dictionary, you're going to see that the word peace simply means freedom from disturbance or tranquility. And some of the synonyms might be calm, quiet, restful, calmness. It's a state or period where there is no war. And, and, you know, we say there's peace in our land, but how about internally? Do we have war inside of us? Are we constantly at war with ourselves? We might say that it's freedom from anxiety and depression and hopelessness, but You know, we can never guarantee freedom from war, can we? Not if you're living in this life. There's been wars since the beginning of time. We can never guarantee freedom from disturbances. We can never guarantee freedom from problems. You know, a few few decades ago, there was kind of a thought that went through some of the theological circles that if you were having troubles, you were out of faith or you must have sin in your life. Well, they didn't read their Bibles. That's not what the Word of God teaches us. And I'm going to give you some scripture in the moment to prove that. But peace is, is, is there regardless of what's going on externally around us. And, and it's all about what is internal, not what is external. We talk, now, if we have peace internally, we're going to have peace externally, right? We live our lives inside out. And when we see so much turmoil going on in the world, we know that there's not a lot of peace going on internally in the lives of many people. But Jesus did promise us these things. In John 16, he said, I have told you this so that you may have peace. Here on the earth you will have many trials and sorrows. He's talking to his disciples. He's not saying, hey, if you follow me, everything's going to be wonderful, no problems, everybody's going to love you. It's usually the opposite, right? It seems like after I became a believer, I started swimming upstream instead of downstream. Do you can relate to that? People that used to like me doesn't like me anymore. People that used to, I used to run with, I don't want to run with anymore. And they couldn't understand that. So then, then, so it says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I'm going to blow this up in just a moment at, toward the end of the service, what he really was saying here. John 14, 27 says, I'm leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. In other words, he's, he's telling us that we're going to have issues, we're going to have problems because we live in this world and we're also living in the flesh. Is that correct? We have to understand that Christians are not exempt from problems or trials. Christians are not exempt from problems or trials. How many of you are aware of the mental health issues that are going on in our nation? It's incredible what we see on a regular basis. You see, we all see this on a regular basis. I had some statistics, and I don't know what I did with them, but it basically was saying about 45% of the people uh, in the U.S. It, are, 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 are on some type of mental health uh, psychotropic drug or seeking some type of counseling. 46%, I believe it was. This was a statistic from February 2019. That one in five, that's 20% of people will have some type of mental health issue this year. One in five. But most of them are not, di- not uh, seeking help for it, by the way. Most of them are just self-medicating. Does that give us any idea about this opioid issue that we have? How many times do we see people all the time and they'll say, oh, I'm smoking marijuana because it makes me calmer. Because, and I don't have all the side effects that I get with all the other drugs that they give me prescriptions for. 
We see children who are, I can't tell you this, I think in the past month or two, I've heard two or three parents or people say their child just has rage inside of them. I'm talking about elementary children. I'm not talking about adults. Elementary children are having rages inside of them. We have elementary school teachers that are saying they're going to quit teaching because it's too dangerous in the elementary classroom because one teacher that you were talking to had a broken foot from a child hurting her in the classroom. Three teachers quit this month in one of our local schools because elementary schools because the children are so angry. There's no peace and there's obviously there's no peace in their home. But Jesus says we can have peace and we and and we are even though we're not exempt from problems we also are not exempt from lack of victory. We have the victory in whatever we are doing. We are guaranteed the victory over every problem that we have if we follow him. He says if you do what my word says it'll go well with you. Right? He didn't say you're not going to have He says if you do what my word says it'll go well with you. And so that's what we have to understand. So in the world, we're going to have trials. We're going to have sorrows. But we can have peace in the midst of that. It's not a mind over matter game. It's not, it's not a brain trick. It's all about our confidence in who we are. And peace comes when we have confidence in someone greater than our problem. You, regardless of what problem we have. How many of you have ever had fear set in? Yeah, I, I used to have fear. I don't have it so much anymore. But I can remember many times I was up early in the morning just afraid of anything. I was just thinking, I've got to be afraid of something. I'm seriously, I was worrying about this and worrying about that. And finally the Lord said, you just don't trust me. That's the problem. You just don't trust me. And, and you know, he was exactly right because what was I doing? The problem was I was making it so much bigger than God. And I was saying, God, but you know, how's this going to work? And how's that going to work? He said, you just don't trust me. And I had to learn to trust him. I remember Becky told me one time, just don't worry about it. <laughs> and that was good advice. That was very good advice. But the reason we don't have peace is because we don't fully understand the love of the Father. We do not fully understand the love of the Father is why we do not have peace. And we do not fully understand who we are in that relationship that he has given to us with him if we understood who he is and who we are we would have peace in every situation we would have that peace you know Adam and Eve had perfect peace didn't they until one day the enemy showed up and the enemy convinced them that God was holding out on them and isn't that really what our unrest is usually about what if God you don't do this what if this doesn't happen what if that doesn't what if my grandchild does this or what if my child does that God's holding out. God's not going to perform his word. You see, what they did is they chose to trust the lie of an enemy or the enemy versus the word of truth. And when we have unrest, when we have fear, when we have lack of peace, we are simply believing the lie of the enemy rather than what God says about it. How else can you explain how people can have peace in the, in the direst? Miss Francis talking to her on the phone. Her daughter basically was dying. The last time I spoke with Miss Francis, or the time before, and the peace that was in her voice. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And that government of peace that was established in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden was lost, but Jesus came to reestablish that government of peace. 
And Dan kind of stole my message this morning with, that's okay, it was good reinforcement. In Isaiah chapter 9, I want us to focus on this just a minute. Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. That word government means dominance, power, sovereignty through legal authority. God says, I'm establishing a government. I'm reestablishing the government I had in place in the Garden of Eden through my son. I'm giving him legal authority. This government is going to rest upon his shoulders. And that sovereignty of God was established through Christ. This is why it's so important. When Dan had us to repeat after him, you think, well, that's nothing. It is if you meant it. If you're out of relationship with God, it means something if you meant it. To say, God, forgive me. I want to be in Christ because all the promises of God are found in Christ. Not outside of Christ. We don't have peace outside of Christ. We don't have, we don't have the promises of God outside of Christ. Everything is found in Him. And God's desire for that dominion to rule forever has been reestablished in Christ. And it's available to us if we will allow it. And it says that upon His shoulders are going to rest the government. That shoulder simply means He's going to carry the weight and the responsibility of that government of God back in the earth. And what did he tell his disciples? He said, all power, all authority has been given unto me. He has that authority to delegate peace to you and to I. He has that authority. Well, let me just look quickly. What, that, what are the characteristics of his government? First, wonderful counsel. If we look at that word in the Hebrew, it really, listen to this. It means extraordinary strategist. You look that up in the Hebrew, extraordinary strategist. Wonderful counselor. That means regardless of what the enemy has attacked you with, Jesus has a strategy that's much greater than anything the enemy can come at you with. I say this all the time. God has a plan. We're looking for a miracle, but God always has a plan. Right? Miracles are, miracles, sometimes, they're wonderful. We love miracles, right? But we do we learn our lesson with miracles? God always has a plan. He has a strategy. And Paul told us in Ephesians 6 that we're supposed to be overcoming the strategies of the enemy, right? So he says he's the extraordinary strategist. Regardless of the problems you're in, God has a strategy for victory. Do you believe it? Think about your biggest problem right now. God has a strategy for victory. You're one revelation away from that strategy. Whether it's health, finances, family, whatever it might be. You're one revelation away. And just imagine when that strategy comes, the peace is going to fill you, fill your heart, your mind. You're suddenly not going to worry about things like you did because my dad's got this. My God's got this. And then it said he's mighty God. That word in the Hebrew is El Gabor. El Gabor. How many times? Say El Gabor. El Gabor. He's El Gabor to me. He's mighty God to me. Let me tell you what that means. It means the God of great power and authority and what? Military leadership. Do you realize we're an army of God? We're, we're militaristic people? You know how many times have we taught about ecclesia in the church? It's not really just a building where people come and have a shouting good time and feel good and go home and nothing really happens. We're supposed to go out and be the army of God and change our community. Go home and change your home. Take Take legal authority over the atmosphere of your home. 
right? Don't allow the devil to have your children. Don't allow the devil to have your finances. Take authority. And then God's got a strategy to get you out of your mess. I think it was Creflo Dollar that said one time, God's got 50 million ways to get you out of debt by Friday. I'm thinking, okay, God, come on, I'll just take one. <laughs> Halfway out of debt would be good for me, <laughs> right? What was that? We, uh, we, somebody was teasing about winning a million-dollar lottery. I said, that might pay off our credit cards. I'm not sure. <laughs> just teasing, not that bad. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... God has a million different ways, and he can have you pull that, that car, that, uh, what is that, lottery ticket. We, we played bingo lottery at Genesis for our Christmas party, and we, we were so ignorant, we didn't even know how to scratch off the cards. <laughs> what did we win? $5? $5. Then we had to say, well, where do you go get your money? <laughs> did we even have, did you keep the card? <laughs> so let's don't depend on the lottery, Okay. God has a strategy greater than the lottery. But if he wants to send the lottery, we'll redeem it by praying over your money, paying your tithe, right? And you can enjoy the other 90% of it. So mighty God, he is our God. And Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, that he's given to us authority. Us authority over all the power of the enemy. Most Christians don't, what I just say, we don't walk in the authority. We don't know who we are. We don't know who he is. We don't know who we are. And when the devil comes knocking, you've got you to gotta open the door and slam it in his face and tell him to get out of here. Amen? Then it said he's everlasting father. What a beautiful picture. Mighty God, warrior, everlasting father. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a loving, compassionate, he said eternal father? That means he's never going to kick you out, by the way. Can your kids do anything to you that, that you would ever kick them out? I can't imagine it. I can't imagine. I might not like it, but I'm going to love them, right? You're going to do the same. And then the last one he said was Prince of Peace. And that word Prince means son of a sovereign. Son of a sovereign. He is the son of a God who is sovereign over all things. And that word peace simply means, not simply, it means peace, completeness. Beautiful picture of completeness. Health, prosperity, safety, deliverance, success, salvation. Is there any better word that we, could, that we could have than Jehovah Shalom to our life? That he is the Lord God who gives us peace. He gives us completeness. We are complete in him and only in him. You In Isaiah 26, 3, I think I have this somewhere, but it says, He will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him because you trust in him. Well, if you look that up in the original language, perfect peace is the word Shalom Shalom because Perfect is the word shalom. Shalom means perfect. It means complete. So he will keep you in shalom, shalom, if our mind is stayed on him, if we are trusting in him. If we are trusting in him. What a beautiful picture. Let me tell you, God's peace has no racial restrictions. It has no gender restrictions. It has no economic restrictions. And it has no age restrictions. It's for all people. It's for all people. So how do we know if we have peace? Well, how do you know if you don't have peace? Number one, do you have fear? Do you have fear? If you have fear, you can't have peace. Oil and water, they don't go together. Do you have worry? What do you worry about? Think about it. Do you have worry? Three, do you have panic? We see a lot of people with panic attacks. 
just walking through a store and they'll panic or, ha- or the least little thing will happen and they'll be in their car and they'll panic. What is that just overcome with fear and anxiety? How about anxiety? These are my statistics. Anxiety, I have them here. Depression. Many, many believers struggle with depression. And I read one time that depression is simply frozen rage. Frozen rage. How about paranoia? Paranoia. Everybody's out to get you. Well, if bad luck's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. One for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the shoe to fall. I'm waiting for the flu to hit. I'm waiting for the cancer to attack. I'm waiting for my car to break down. I'm, so in, nobody likes me. I hear this from Christians. How about confusion? You know, confusion is a symptomatic of the witchcraft spirit being in present. So if you've got confusion, you've got witchcraft operating somewhere. If you're confusion in your home, take authority over it. Confusion in your business, take authority over it. We've had to do that. How about discord, strife? Well, we see that in this world, don't we? How about stress? How many struggle? Don't raise your hand. Put your hand down, Donna. How many are stressed out? Well, there's little things that you're too blessed to be stressed. Well, that is if you really believe it. In the United States, here's some here's some statistics. United States, 46% will experience a mental illness during their lifetime. 46%. This is Reuters Health. Suicidal thinking, severe depression, and rates of self-injury among U.S. college students more than doubled over less than a decade. 5% of adults experience a mental illness in any one year, equivalent to 43.8 million people. Of adults in the U.S. with any mental disorder in one year period, 14.4% have one disorder, 5.8% two, 6% three or more. Half of all mental disorders begin by the age 14 and three quarters before the age of 24. We see it, don't we? We see it. In the United States, only 41% of the people who had a mental disorder in the past year received professional health care. Why don't we have peace? And how many of these people, if you, if you poll the people, 78% of people say they affiliate or associate with Christianity. And yet, this 46% of people will suffer some type of mental illness during their lifetime. Well, our peace is found in only one thing, and that is in our faith. And I just want to quickly look at some scriptures in Hebrews. I love this scripture. The Lord kind of hit me with it a few, many years ago. The very first thing he said to me after becoming a believer was Philippians 4, 6. And I didn't know what it said. He just said, go look at Philippians 4, 6, because at that time I was anxious about everything. It didn't matter. If I didn't have something, I'd borrow something from somebody. Seriously. I was anxious about everything. What if, what if, what if? And he said, Philippians 4, 6. I go home and look it up, and I, it says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I put that on my refrigerator, literally. I quoted it every day. 
be anxious for nothing. And I began to put it into practice. And I began to realize, hey, if I take my issues to God, which they're so small compared to, to his abilities, it really something just happens. It's just like phew, they, they just seem to go, don't they? You know, 90% of the things we worry about or fear never happen. You know that, right? 90% never happen. Eight out of the remaining ten we can't do anything about. So only 2% of what we really fear can we do anything about. I was talking to a young girl. I may have told you this, but I was talking to a young girl recently who was filled with fear because of a horrible trauma when she was five. Fear all the time. I mean, she'd go in the doctor's office, she'd have a panic attack. She had a little thing come up on her face. She thought she had cancer. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. And I said, I want you to think back over your 35 years. How many things have you feared have ever happened? She thought she said, not a one. Not a single one. I says, well, what's that telling you? But in Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, it says, God's promise of entering his place of rest. And that's that place of peace. That place of rest. God's promise of entering his place of rest still stands. That means it's for us today, by the way. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to get there. You, well, we could just tear this apart, couldn't we? We, might, we should tremble with fear that some of us might fail to get there. It says, for this good news that God has prepared a place of rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. Who's he talking about? The people of the Old Testament. Remember, Paul said everything that happened in the Old Testament was an example for us to follow or to see. He said, but it did them no good because they didn't believe what God told them. The King James says they did not mix faith with what they heard. See, isn't that when fear and stress and, and anxiety comes? God is saying, I'm the Lord God who heals all of your diseases. So is there any reason to be anxious about our sickness? We believe that God will give us that great extraordinary strategy for our health plan, right? Or how about your finances? God, I'm in a mess. I don't know what I did. I mean, I just can't seem to get there. God has a strategy to get you out of that. You see, we have to believe what he said. And he might say something like quit eating sugar or quit spending more than you make, quit wasting money. He, that's the kind of strategy he's known to come up with, right? These are the kind of things that, that he does. So he, he says, so we have to take the word that we hear and we have to mix it with faith. And if we don't mix it with faith, it does us no good just as it did the people of the Old Testament. So regardless of the political climate, we rest in God because our peace is found in Christ and in his word. Is that right? But we still might have to do something. He might say, go vote. Right? You can't just sit on, you can't say, well, God's in control. He's going to take care of it. No, he said, go vote. Well, God's in control. I'm just not going to do anything about my health. No, eat right. Exercise. Do some things you need to do. Quit spending money. But to be at rest spiritually is to find peace in God through Christ Jesus. And it's promised to all who will put their trust in God and obey him. It's that place of rest. I remember back in, I've told you this before, in 1997 when I had was diagnosed with breast cancer. And just a few months before, the Lord had said to me twice in January, he said, with long life, I'm going to satisfy you and show you my salvation. And it was like yelling. I told you, yelling at me. I mean, I thought, yeah, God, I know this. This is awesome. Thanks for telling me. And then the two or three days before I was diagnosed, I was sitting on a plane and the Lord said, my word is truth. And again, I thought everybody on the plane heard that word and it was just, he was speaking to me. 
And I said, God, I know this. Why are you telling me this? Three days later, diagnosed with breast cancer. You know what? I had total peace. The first thing I thought about was, with long life, he's going to satisfy me. The first thing I thought about was his word is true. And it was peace that passes all. And is that not right, Terry? We were sitting in the doctor's office. And my doctor was, she was just blown out because she said, I know everything that she told me. I think everything looks great. I think everything's going to be good. And she's back, you know. But see, I had the word of God. And we have to believe that truth. We have to believe it. We can rest in it. September 24th, I've told you this before, 19, I, this is so important to me, I marked the day down. September 24th, 1997, Pastor Robbins was right there. He walked to the front of the church and he was crying and he said, tell the people to strive to enter into that place of rest. Tell the people to strive to enter into that place of rest. See, there's, there's something we have to do. We have to strive to enter in. And then in verses 3 it says, For only we who believe can enter his place of rest. As for those who didn't believe, God said, In my anger I made a vow. They will never enter my place of rest, even though a place of rest has been ready since he made the world. God has a place of rest and peace for every one of us. But unless we mix that word of God that we hear with faith, it's not going to be for us. And then it said, We know it is ready because... Because the scriptures mention the seventh day saying on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. In the other passages God said they will never enter my place of rest because of disobedience. See many people are striving to find that place of peace and rest and blessing that God has promised. But it's only found in him. It's only found in Christ. And those who don't believe have nothing more to find peace in than what the world has to offer. And the world cannot give you peace. The world cannot give you peace. There's a little story of an 18th century rabbi. He said he looked out of his window one day and saw people rushing in the town square below. He says, why are you running? He asked one passerby. He said, to make a living, he replied. What makes you so sure, said the rabbi, that your living is ahead of you and you have to run to catch up with it? Perhaps it is behind you and you need to stand still and let it catch up with you. And that's what that place of rest is, is standing still and allowing God's blessings to catch up. When we did our spiritual formation, I'm going to bring that back out in 2020. When we did our spiritual formation and, and we would say, what is that spiritual formation stuff all about? You know, what is this, sim this simplicity and, and just peace and quiet and fasting and all these other things? It's simply where we stand still and allow the grace of God to begin to do a work in our life. We just stand still. We get ourselves in solitude. We get ourselves in quietness. We get ourselves in the word and prayer and worship. And we're allowing the spirit of God just to do the work of grace in our life that we need. How many could use the work of grace? Yes. Then verse 6 says, So God's rest is there for people to enter. It's here today for everyone to enter. But those who formerly heard the good news failed to enter. Why? Because they disobeyed God. Those who heard it failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his place of rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David a long time later, and the words already quoted, Today you must listen to his voice. Don't harden your heart against him. We have to listen to the word. We have to listen to the word. Disobedience simply means we don't have faith in what God is saying to us. We don't have faith when we don't do what God's word asks us to do for our benefit. You know, God only gives us, you know, we're learning so much now with, with all the research that's going on with the medical science and, and the brain and all of this about how God really created us. 
And why he told us some things like, you know, be anxious for nothing. Because anxiety destroys your body, creates hormones that are not good for you, and they cause all kinds of things in the body to, you know, heart disease and hormonal issues and blood pressure issues and cancers. And so we're saying now, now they're showing where the brain, when you get in stress, you, you start producing all these things. So that's why God wants us not to be anxious. See, God, he only has our benefit in mind. We need to learn to listen. Jesus said in John 14, 23, he said, if a man loves me, he will obey me. If he loves me, he will obey me. And then he says, and my father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode in him. See, outside of obedience, we can't say that we abide in Christ if we're not obedient to the word of God. Amen? If we're not obedient to the word of God, we cannot say that we abide in Christ or he abides in us. You know, there's one scripture in John that says that anybody who habitually sins has never met him. Has never met him. If you habitually, if you're comfortable sinning, you've never met him. Verse 8 says, this new place of rest was not the land of Canaan where Joshua led them. If it had been, God would have spoken, not spoken later about another day of rest. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who enter into God's rest will find rest from their labors just as God rested from creating the world. Let us do our best to enter that place of rest for anyone who disobeys God as the people of Israel did will fall. We see keep going back to disobedience. Verse 14 says this is, why, this, is, this, is, this is why we have Jesus. This is why he had to come. This is why that baby was so important. He, this is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven. Jesus the son of God. Let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. It's, it's so simple. It's simply, who do I trust? Do I trust this or do I trust this? Do I trust the world or do I trust God? I was telling, um, so we told a, a friend of ours who's a medical doctor this, and he kind of looked at me like I had three heads. We were having lunch one day and a couple weeks ago, and he was he's very um, seeking. We can tell he's seeking God for things, you know. So, uh, and it was important because of his profession, that that's why I think he looked at me like I had two heads. But we had this lady, I wish Lana was here, she could tell the story. We had this lady who used to come to us at Genesis early when we were in Albemarle, and she was hooked on crack cocaine, uh, the rock stuff, you know. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, from what I heard, you have to, <laughs> I'm not talking about you, you have to fire, you have to put a fire to that, is that right? Okay, going to somebody that knows. She's a substance counselor, not that she's used it. <laughs> she hasn't used it, but she does substance counseling. Anyway, so she got, I mean, you know, she just got saved and all this. You know, that's not supposed to happen in counseling, but it did with her. She got saved, set free. Anyway, her daughter was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. And so it was, she, she didn't know what to do. And she came to, she came to the office. Lana prayed for her that God would give her peace about this situation and trust God. So the girl leaves and goes home, and she says, on her way home, this is the way the devil works. An old buddy comes up next to her and says, and she's telling her what's going on. She said, honey, this is what you need. She puts a rock of cocaine in her hand. This is what you need. She takes it into her house, and she picks up her Bible. And she has a Bible in one hand and this rock cocaine in the other. And she says, God, I don't know what to do. And she said that rock cocaine melted in her hand and ran down on the floor. Now, does that happen? No. 
Only God can do that. That rock cocaine melted in her hand. You can see why he looked at me like I had two heads. And ran down on the floor, and she put it aside. See, it's a choice. And we're gonna, and the devil's always going to give you an option when you have a crisis. He's always going to give you an opportunity to believe a lie rather than the truth of what his word says. Thank God she held on to the truth. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. That's where we have to come. We come boldly. And you know, the devil's going to be there to tell you, you don't qualify or you disqualify. You've done this or you've done that. Oh, you, you, I think what Dan did this morning, God, just forgive me. Maybe I haven't had a wrong attitude. Maybe I've not been the way I should. Maybe I've done this or done that. God, just forgive me. And his word says in 1 John, all you got to do is repent and ask. And he says, I'll not only forgive you, I'm going to cleanse you from everything you've ever done. And then you can come boldly into that throne room and say, God, I need grace and mercy. I need grace and mercy. And I don't care how polished up some of these, these our Christians look. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to go to him on a fairly regular basis. And God, you know I had a wrong attitude. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have had this attitude. But, you know, he's so gracious. And he said, that's okay. Come on in. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you, you repented. Now it's all yours again. The everlasting Father. In the world we have tribulation, but Jesus has overcome the world. Let me tell you. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You see, you've got to believe, we've got to believe what God says about himself. Don't take the devil's opinion on what God, who God is. God says, I'm a loving God. He says, I'm your healer. I'm your peace. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I supply all of your needs. This is what he says about himself. But the devil's going to try to tell you, oh, no, God's holding out on you. He's got something else he's not wanting you to know about. So what do we do? We slip over into that other side. He says, I only have thoughts of peace and e not evil to give you future and a hope. I love this scripture, and this is one I was going to blow up for you. John 16, 33. This out of the Amplified. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Jesus is talking to his disciples. I've told you all this today. Jesus told you this so you can have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustrations. Can anybody say amen to that? Right. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, be certain, be an undaunted, for I have overcome the world. Listen to this, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That is enough to shout and rejoice over. He says, I have overcome the world, I have deprived it of power. When Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, he says, I've given you authority over all the miracle working power of the enemy. He deprived the world of power to harm us. If we are in Christ, if we walk in obedience, we're going to find that place of rest. How many needs that place of rest? I want us to close out today with communion, Holy Communion. And I, I just, as we, well, let's stand, if you will. As we receive the elders, I'm going to ask Terry to come. We want to serve you. And you can come on the sidewalls and go back down to your seat. But... Uh,
want you to remember what Jesus has done for you in us. How he has made perfect peace available to us. So if you will start just coming out on the side and, and, and receive the elements. And... My heart's pounding in my chest. Remind me again. Now don't get in stress trying to open this, okay? you a moment of quiet peace and rest to get your elements open. Thank you. I want to read out of 1 Corinthians 11. And we do, we do this as a remembrance for what Jesus has done for us. You know, and he has given to us this peace. Regardless of what situation you're in today, you can have peace that passes any understanding of the human mind. And he said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I want you to take your wafer and break it. And I want you to think about this represents the broken body of Jesus. If you need healing in your body, this represents the price he paid for our healing. By the stripes on his back, we have been made whole. So let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
this is the blood of Jesus. It represents the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you, I feel the need to say this. I don't know who this is for. I don't care what you have done in the past. It's not greater than the blood of Jesus. I don't care what sin you have committed. It's not greater than the blood of Jesus. I don't care what the devil has told you. It's not greater than the blood of Jesus. And if the devil can keep you in bondage through condemnation, he's going to keep you his servant. Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus can cleanse to the uttermost, to the uttermost. And regardless of what it is, he, he has more than taken care of that sin. So don't allow the devil to, to uh, fill you with condemnation. So let's partake of the juice. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, God, we just proclaim what you have done for us, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful, God, for what you have done for us. God, that we can have peace that passes all understanding. That we can have extraordinary strategy in the most complex problems of our life. God, we may not know where to turn, but you have the plan and you have the strategy. God, that you are El Gabor, the mighty God, Lord, who does military battle on our behalf. God, you've already defeated the enemy for us. We walk in that victory. Thank you, God, that you're the everlasting Father. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're Jehovah Shammah, the God who is always there. We thank you, God, for that. God, that you are the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace, Father. Thank you for peace. Thank you for peace. Father, we just thank you that your, your face will shine upon us with, a, with just the glory of your peace. Thank you, Father God. We bless you. And Lord, I just pray blessing upon every person here today. We thank you, Father God. For those that are traveling, I just pray, Father God, you give traveling grace and mercy. Surround all those who are in their vehicles going and coming, Father God. We thank you for that. We pray for wonderful times with families this, this week. Father God, let all strife and discord, we just rebuke it in Jesus' name. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus. We break its power in Jesus' name. You're not a God of discord. You're a God of unity and harmony. God, we thank you for the peace that just fills the lives of your people. And God, let us be so full of that peace that it just runs off on others. It just overflows on others, Father. Let them just feel the peace. God, we just bless you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And we do have a treat bag for you out. So, out.